This is a Think Live Be production. Kayla, Ooh. we sent you home with homework last week. Yep. And I watched it. Little Shop or Little Shop of Horrors. Little yeah. Shop of Horrors. I was actually very, very pleased and surprised to see Steve Martin and Bill uh, Murray in that movie. And John Candy. Yeah, I like Bill Murray and Steve Martin better. <laughs> <laughs> but John that's, Kennedy, that's okay. too. That's okay. <laughs> it was good. I, I enjoyed it. It was different to my my, my palette of movies when sure. it comes to humans. Because I do watch... When it comes to humans. What, <laughs> well, what, what does, does that, that mean? Disney movies have musical aspects oh, to them. Right, but right, on right. a human... like Human musicals. I just don't vibe well. Yeah, no, or I, I don't, don't jive either. with it. But I, don't, I, don't I liked it. I don't, I don't like... I liked it because it was dark. <sighs> Yeah. It was evil. Yeah. But still comedy. But still funny. Yeah. In a way. So, so it was based on a um Little Shop of Horrors is based on a old black and white movie. Hmm. Did they have an eating is, a man eating plant too? Yeah, and but it's not it's not a music it's not a musical and it I have I I saw it a long long time ago. I don't really remember, but it was based on on that. But the, I mean that thing's been that show has been on Broadway and Really? Yeah, and like when I was in when I was in high school, the theater department did it as a. I guess like I can see that. Play. I mean, it's a good storyline in the musical. Like the, people the, love musicals, so yeah. it was a good. It was a good musical. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Yep. I don't know. It kind of sounds like she didn't watch it at all. No, <laughs> I watched it. I can tell you what happened. Okay, yeah. that's, that's not. Spoil. That's not necessary. Okay. No spoilies for our <laughs> podcast listeners. Yeah. No spoilies. <laughs> but uh, oh yeah, we have listeners. Yep. <laughs> and you're listening to. <laughs> Oh <laughs> Is that your segue? Yeah. Wow. We started early this time. Wow. Well, I didn't want to forget. <laughs> but but for real, you're listening to Seeking the Best. This is our podcast where we seek out the best in ourselves as we try to overcome the personal hurdles in the real estate industry. And there are so many of them. Um, right across from me is my director of operations, Kayla Boundy. Hey. My name is Catherine Stelgis. And then we've got our sound engineer, producer extraordinaire, Photographer, graphic designer, mm-hmm. artist, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Patrick Patika. Hello. Hey, thanks for joining us. <laughs> yep. We're back in the studio this week. Yeah. Kayla got her COVID test and tested <sighs> negative. Negative, baby. We're all very proud of her. Thank you. They stuck the thing right up my nose. They asked me if I was ready and I said no and they did not they pause. Did. They didn't care. No. Was, I said no. It was a courteous ask. And I'm it wasn't. very happy that you are negative. Thank so you. Me too. We don't have time for that. No, Because sir. it's almost no November. Ma'am. Or it is November. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's November. And we got to finish out the year strong. And we do not have time for being sick and mm-hmm. dealing with all that drama. I'm gonna up by vitamin C. Vitamin 3. C. C. What's vitamin I 3? I don't know. <laughs> I just... Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's November. We have basically like, I mean, realistically, like 30 days left mm-hmm. to finish out the year strong. I mean, 30th from the 10th of November is December 24th, if you take out business days and holidays. Why do you know that? Because I counted it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so uh, what did you say? December or November 10th? November 10th to December 24th is 30 business days. Okay. So basically, we could get something under contract by... November 10th. Mm-hmm. So we have, so wait, so we have 10 days. No, not even 10 days. It's okay. Five. <laughs> L- listeners, just so you know, we're pre recording. <laughs> we're pre recording. We're banking a couple episodes because Catherine and I are going on vacation for a Finally. week. Finally. So, which we do every year. So w- yes. when you guys are listening to this, we will be uh, in November. Out, the yeah, beautiful we will mountains. Be in the mountains. The so. Blue Ridge Mountain Range. So there. Now everybody knows. So we don't have to try to figure <laughs> just, out the map. But I, wa- I wasn't I wasn't trying. I was just I, I was just Today thinking, is November 4th. <laughs> <laughs> um that wouldn't be right either. No. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> but no, but I was just thinking like we're we're seriously, we're almost in November. Might as well be because realistically we have, you know, less than two weeks to get whatever else under contract that's going to close this year. And then we're going to be out of town for a week. So we've yeah. got we've got one week to get anything left that's going to close this year. And and what I mean by that, you asked me what I meant, um, is just that most most buyers need financing. 
And so there's a loan involved. And so, you know, realistically, most lenders need 30 business days to close, especially these days. Um, Minimum, really. Like they're, they're just not closing things very quickly lately. I mean, some of our preferred lenders still are, but you just can't trust it. So pretty much anything that we put under contract for the next couple of weeks is, is likely to close in January. So we're really, we're almost starting our 2021 now. So we got to start thinking about, um, number one, how do we finish out those last couple of weeks strong? How can we, um, you know, what I hear all the time this, this time of year is people saying like, well, we'll just hold off and wait until after the holidays for buyers or sellers. Both. Yeah. I think people just think it's inconvenient, um, because they've got, family and all that. I don't know if that will apply this year just because of COVID and everything. Like people may not be traveling as much. And so they have time away from work and maybe, maybe the holiday season will bring them to buy and sell. Yeah. So, I mean, Get that's out of their house. That's what we, we've talked about. You know, maybe quarter four will actually be stronger than it even normally is. And we always see a little uptick in sales in December because people want to close for various reasons. So there's still people that are going to come out of the woodwork and want to do something. And we just have to make sure that we kind of help them understand what the advantages are to closing by the end of the year and try to kind of get them in. And and then if not, just start stacking 2021 for some good sales. Because, yeah. yeah, we're almost out of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if we were to, you know, be talking to some new new business and kind of hearing that that objection of, well, we want to wait until January or February or whatever to get started. I kind of have my list of things that don't you I kind of dig. You, I'm sure you dig into that. You don't leave. I know you well enough to know that they don't say, well, we want to wait. And then you go, okay, I know that you have a series of things to dig deeper as to find out the reason why of that is what the reason of that is. Right. So, well, yeah, because, um, well, I mean, you want to understand what their needs are. We've talked about objection versus condition before. Like if, if they truly have a condition, like we can't close until January or we can't close until February right. because of We're waiting on a Christmas bonus. Right. Or, or what? Something. Yeah. Whatever it may be, then, then you're not going to convince them to do anything sooner. Right. But if it's just like, oh, I don't know, I think we'll just wait until January. Then that's sort of an objection that you just need to handle. And so understanding like, okay, what's, what's important to you about waiting until the new year? and try to understand why they're waiting. And then if it's something just like simple like that, like, oh, we just, I don't know, it seems like a bad time of year. Well, in fact, it's actually not. At least here in Orlando and probably most places, um, there's a lot of advantages to closing before the end of the year. Let me tell you about those. <laughs> Do you have a list? Well, yeah. I mean, it depends on if you're a buyer or a seller. I think for sellers, like to me, selling right now, Everybody, if you're saying that you don't want to list because of um, because of the holidays, a lot of other people are too, which means that there will be less inventory, less competition for a house like yours in the in these months because they're saying the same thing. So beat the competition and go ahead and list before the year is up. And and then on the flip side, any buyers that are in the market right now are serious, right? Because they might be saying the other the same thing. So they might be saying, well, it's kind of inconvenient to move during the holidays, so we'll just wait until January. So any buyers that are out there are really serious, and you're going to get strong offers with terms like ready to go, ready to close before the end of the year. Um, because for a buyer, it's actually, I think it's advantageous for them for tax reasons, at least here in our area, because they can get homestead exemption on their house. And so that's a reason to close by December 31st. Um but there's other there's other reasons too. I was, uh, <laughs> was going to ask. I don't know if you know the answer to this. Has there been any uh, research research done about selling a home that's decorated for Christmas versus not, or anything like that? Like like I would assume like some people have amazing taste and most people have terrible taste. But like if you would go into a beautiful colonial style home and they've got the wreaths up and it just feels like Christmas in there and they've got the big beautiful tree and does that help or does that not really do anything? 
So I don't know that I've ever read any specific stats on it, except I do think that it helps. I think that... Do you have to go and take no more photos if it doesn't sell in well, January? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, that I will say, so... Because I've seen, like, looking at photos... <laughs> Like it's March and the photos have Christmas wreaths up and you're like, oh, man. Yeah, for sure. If it doesn't sell during the holidays and before the end of the year, then you're going to have to get more photos. You can't have Christmas photos up uh, through the new year. That just doesn't look good. (laughs) Um, But no, I I don't know any specific stats, but I do think that it helps. Like it just imagine it's the same idea behind why. Why do we um, bake cookies when we do open houses? Because it yeah. creates Ambiance. a homey, like that's that you can see that yourself feel. Yeah, there. it's it smells amazing. It feels like home. Same thing. People make um, pots of coffee when they're doing open houses. Yeah. It's that same thing. So when you smell the Christmas candles and the trees and so and another see all another of that. good reason, another reason that you could use um, to list during the holidays. yeah to list during the holidays like uh, that's going to benefit you January. Um, in, in January rolls around, you've got zero curb appeal, right? Because the grass is dead and at least, you know, up North, but this is all different because it's, there's snow on the ground, but down here the, the you know, there's, you don't have, there's no flowers blooming. The crepe myrtle in your front yard has no leaves on it and, and everything. You can get away with that at Christmas time because it's decorated. Pretty lights. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then that's the other part of that is that um, buyers are more emotional during the holidays is that family time. And so we already have buyers go into houses and they'll they'll cling to something on a wall and be like, this is a sign. They, they like the same band I do. Right. Yeah. And um, so imagine what that does. It's the holiday time and you've got those those already those homey feelings and smells. And then they see like a little, you know, decoration. That, yeah. My that, mom had this exact same thing. Yeah, this looks just like my Christmas tree. So they're just more emotionally tied to to that decor because, you know, not everybody celebrates Christmas, but there's just that that season, that feeling in the air, and it just makes people more emotional. So they're they're serious buyers. They need to close by the end of the year. They're more emotional, so more willing to maybe pay your price. Um, And they have fewer choices because a lot of other sellers are going to say, you know, the same exact thing. Why put my house on the market right now? I'll just wait. So you can really take advantage of that as a seller. And then as a buyer, I think, you know, it all comes back to interest rates right now. Like there's no reason to wait for the new year. Because I don't think they can go any lower. And I know I've said that before. We've been saying that. (laughs) I know I've said that before. And then they just kept going lower. But truly, like, they're getting to a point where it's basically like. They're interest free. It's free. Yeah. And and then there's no point. We live in a capitalist society. There's no way a bank is going to give you an interest-free loan um, that that doesn't have some interest at some point in your in your life. So, so because of that, why not take advantage when you know, like you know, right now the rate is so low. So being able to talk to a buyer about that and showing them the difference between maybe what they're paying now in rent or um, if they're moving up, being able to show them like here's how you take advantage of a seller. We talked about the simultaneous closing, like what a perfect time to do it because usually you have some time off from work for the holidays. So perfect time to do it, get out of the old house, get into the new house and then transfer that homestead exemption. I mean, there's, there's a lot of advantages to moving this time of year. Um, and then I've got, I've got a couple, uh, a couple more. Just okay. Let me, let me read my list. Yeah. Go through your list. <laughs> You gotta fill fill up. Oh, that I have to space. fill up time. I don't know. I've figured that you would just look down and see the font. Your list. My 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 writing is very small. Oh, you're looking at a list that you wrote. <laughs> Did you take a picture scratch? of one of your notebooks? <laughs> so. Well, the other part is it. This goes back to inventory too. Is like because people say that they're gonna wait till January. So you right now you have less homes available for sale. We already are at like super, super low levels. So add that on top of it. And you, you can just, you can, you have more negotiating power. You can really leverage to make it work for you. So maybe you really don't want to close until January for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. Now's your time to negotiate that kind of deal because there's no, no other house like yours for sale. Yeah. If you get to stick a sign in the yard, December 1st and say, you know, even at that, even at that point, even if it goes under 
contract, you're not going to close until, you know, the 30 days out. So if you can get people through, you know, in November or whatever and say, yeah, well, we're going to close in 45 days. Yeah. Right. And that's that's going to be December. So uh, or January 1st or January 2nd or whatever. It's like you can still push it as a seller in this market to close after the beginning of the year. Yeah. But go ahead and take advantage of the low inventory now and then just negotiate it after the offers come in. Yeah. And, the, and one of the other things that I, I had written down was um, a lot of people start new jobs at the beginning of a year. So because of that, those people that are starting new jobs um, and are relocating and stuff, they're actually looking and shopping right now. They, they're they going to want to close before the beginning of the year because they need to start their new job. They need to be here in town. So there there is a pool of buyers. That's why I think we see an uptick in the number of sales in December is um, for, for those two reasons. People start work in January and people want to close in December for tax reasons. So you get more buyers in the market, they're serious, and there's no other competition. It's it's a no-brainer. Yeah, it seems like people um what were what you're there's a big difference between listing your house in November and closing in early December versus listing your property in late November and closing in late December. So because because Christmas is right there at the 25th and New Year's and, and and then New Year's and and whether or not the you know the inspector is available and all of those other things it does make sense like now that I think about it if I was going to list my house and I didn't want look I I want to list my house and I want to take advantage of what the uh the low inventory that exists right now but I don't want to pack all my stuff up the week before Christmas and put it all in a car. I want to be able to have Christmas at my house and relax and maybe go to a relative's house for 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 an afternoon or or whatever it is. So but if I know that because I can take advantage of the low inventory now and maybe negotiate the idea of not closing until the 10th of January. Yeah. Well, then that makes things well then, yeah. Let's put a sign in the yard. <laughs> we convinced him to sell our house. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Like that—that that makes perfect sense to me as a, as a, as a as an explanation. Well, I don't think I don't think sellers would be would on their own would would put that together. That's 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 a good realtor explaining explaining well, that that option to them. That's why I think you have to understand why they want to wait and and what are they waiting for? Is it they want to wait to move? Right. Which is what you're describing is like, I just don't want to pack up and move or they want to wait for some other financial reason or right. whatever. Um, because if it's just a move, oh, well, no problem. We'll just negotiate. We'll get it on the market now. We'll negotiate the closing date to be whatever you desire it to be. And that's the other thing, too. If somebody was doing um, like a back to back, well, not a back. It wouldn't be back to back. But if you wanted to buy up or or downsize and so sell a house and then buy something else. You could take advantage of the market in this way where you're selling while you have limited inventory and less competition, move into temporary housing, and then wait until like spring, early summer when there's more homes available yeah. for sale. Right. And then that way you you get the most money for your house, negotiate the best deal, and then wait a little while before um, so that there's some more options potentially for your next home. But you've just got to be willing to move into temporary housing. But again, I think it's just all in understanding what their goals are right. and how to make that happen. So there's still time to close before the end of the year. And there's still people out there who will want to. And so we're going to finish out the year strong and try to get some people who are just thinking they want to wait for no good reason right? to get them to understand what the advantages of selling before the end of the year are. But then we also have to start figuring out, um, well, we already have started a little bit, but figuring out how does 2021 look? Because like we said, now in about two weeks, whatever we're doing from that point forward is showing up in January, January. February. Yep. Right. Yeah. So we need to talk about that. So you guys plan, you, you're talking about creating goals of what you want to achieve in 2021 and sitting down in November or late October, which you guys have already kind of talked about, but in, in November of actually um, deciding what you want to do and how you want to do it. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, I'm sure that with you, with you, it, 
there's a lot of other stuff added in there, like how who do you want to hire and how big is the team going to be and all of those things. But if you were a, uh, a single agent, you know, I, when we, I always, for me, I always talk about, the, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around, um, okay, it's a new year and we're going to start in January. I just kind of roll from December into January into February and there's no real uh restart restart yeah so and i i I would assume that there are a lot of people out there like me that feel like that but i've watched you kind of do a a a a plan business not a business plan but this uh business plan (laughs) yeah yeah i mean yeah it is it's a revamping of the business plan but what do you suggest like like i said i think there are probably a lot of people like me where they just kind of roll into the next month Stop do doing you, that. How do you sit down in November and plan out what you want to do? Like, how did you go about that when you first started? I went to, I probably went to a business planning clinic because I. You're a uh, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I remember uh, at some point, you know, until I came to Keller Williams, um, and I've been here for a long time now, but before that, I don't think we ever really learned about you know, treating things like a business or having a plan or understanding that there, you have to build a pipeline of sales before you actually have results. And that that takes time and not just a little bit like you, what you're doing today may not show up for 90 days. And in some cases, if you're a new agent, six months. So I don't think I really learned any of that until I joined Keller Williams and started taking more training classes and, and business planning clinic was one of them. And I remember like my first business plan, I wrote out a business plan, like, um, like you would do in college. So like a SWOT analysis for any of you listening that know what that is. Um, it's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And it was like a real business plan where I listed out like, who's my competition and like all of that stuff, which was really, it was a good exercise. And I, you know, opened up my old college books to see like, okay, what's a SWOT analysis she, entail? She still hasn't gotten, I don't throw she doesn't throw away anything. So she has, you still every, have your college books? She has some every, of, I have some of them. All of them. Every textbook. You never know when you need to look up. Psychology is important to keep on hand just Mm -hmm. in case. (laughs) Um, But I I did that whole thing and and I I did the same thing for probably like four or five years. And I remember actually showing that to our broker at one time and she's like, wow, this is really great. Nerd. (laughs) She called you a nerd. said, get out of my office. (laughs) But but then I went to um, probably probably was a business planning clinic uh, with Gene Rivers. And who's a, you know, a very high You say level. business planning clinic. That's the only face I can think of. Yeah. I think voice, he whatever. kind of teaches that to everybody. Um, and I think he, maybe it was him or I learned somewhere that basically your business plan really only needs to be like one page. And it's just like, what is your income goal? And therefore, what do you need to do for the year? So it can be as simple as saying like, okay, next year, it, but with this caveat, cause we've talked about this before, like don't set some arbitrary number, right? Like don't just say, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. Cause I feel like that's what every new agent says. Um, really think about like, what do you need to make? Like what's your break even? Like you have to pay your bills, right? What do you need? Then what would you spend the money on next? And what, what is that income goal for the year? And then it's really as simple as working those numbers backwards to say, okay, after taxes and after my splits, how many appointments do I need or how many closings do I need to have? And then how many do I need to take? And then how many do I need to set? And then you have a one page business plan of like, here's what I need to do every day is go out and set this many appointments. Um, but there's so much more to it than that, but it, it can really be as simple as how many appointments do I need to set every week? And then you just have to remember to look at it all the time, which is where I've had problems over the past is, is actually like remind, like making sure that my calendar reflects what that plan was. And I think that's where that SWOT analysis as fancy as it was and, and knowing all of the different things, um, you know, who, who my competitors were in the market and all uh, what was going on in the world. Like that's all important stuff, but it was such a big document that I never actually pulled it out and read through it. So making it really simple and then just saying, okay, this is all I have to worry about. Now let's put this in the calendar. How am I going to do this? And what do I need to do to get there is, is where the starting point is, I would say. Okay. 
That makes sense. That makes a, sense. There's a lot more to that whole like how many I need to close versus doing it backwards to take in to set. So just know that there's more in-depth numbers needed in order to get to that overall number. But the first point comes out from how much do you need to make in order to survive? And that's your first focus. Yes. And if you, if you know what that number is though, then it becomes pretty easy math. If you just follow the economic model from the MREA real estate book, that is what we're talking about. It's a one page business plan. Right. And then from there though, like, I think it's important to, once you kind of have that, like, okay, here's how many appointments I need to set. Then you do need to figure out how you're going to do that and what, what that means for your day-to-day life and how are you going to do that? So like for us, we did start looking at this last month because we know that what we do shows up in 90 days. So we started looking at last month and we made plans for 2021. So we have to have a certain number of pendings in January to be otherwise, on track. Otherwise, you're already <laughs> otherwise behind. we're already yeah. behind. Right. <laughs> and that's the part that's kind of hard to. Because you have to do that now. I just have, have a side now. note from now on. We should just calculate the years by 11 months. In my opinion, <laughs> it'd be fair. You get a free month on the twelfth month. Of yeah, nothing. but I mean, you still have to like add in those those extra deals into those eleven months that you are calculating. Oh, I see what you're saying. So it right. kind of gives you that that baby cushion, but not much of right. a cushion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, th- actually, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Um. You don't just ignore one month and try and squeeze it all into eleven months, and then yeah. you have a buffer of one month in there knowing that you can't control things like covid and right well and there is a seasonality so like i kind of look at it like um if we just say we want to close x number of deals every month we're not going to close that number every month because there's a seasonality so some months are going to be way bigger like this october was is is great september wasn't that great um but the more you do it the more you understand that seasonality and you can say okay well i'm looking i projected you know last last year i did 10 sales in march and the year before that i did nine sales in march and the year before that i did 10 sales in march then we can say okay we're we're averaging 10 sales in march so if march rolls around this year and we've got 13 sales in march well we're doing better than what what was anticipated depending on where your growth what what you projected for growth yeah and stuff, so, so january at least for most people i know like january isn't usually a big month um but if you set the goal and just have it spread out to me this is just for me personally then at least we're shooting for the the bigger number that we need you know rather than mm-hmm. kind of seasonally adjusting i did um at one point a coach of mine did have me like seasonally adjust them but oh my gosh the like it's just sort of tedious. So I try, I'm, I'm trying to make it as simple as possible for myself and just say like, I know I want to make this many sales and here's what we need to do it. And here's the one page business plan. Cause I've, I've, I can, Kayla and I are both guilty of like making things more complicated than they need to be. We love it. <laughs> so like figuring out, okay, what's the easiest way to achieve the goal is just to have that number of sales every month. Yeah. And it's not always going to happen and it's not to beat yourself, but if you can start off the year strong, if you can end quarter three with the three months totaling that goal, even if January was kind of slow, but you, you're working towards those numbers, then you're on the right track. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, I, I went to another class with, with somebody who, uh, did like a whole big thing with, with the seasonality of everything with like like seasonally adjusting for appointments, budget, like all that stuff. And I think he called it like the economics of the insane. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, that sounds is. interesting. It was, it was. Cause you can control, well, I mean, you can't control everything, but if you see seasonalities in the sales throughout the year, can't you see the seasonalities of your, your lead generation that you do to lead up to those sales is that's true. Yeah, that's you true. control well, that and so help but a lead, lot of but that people, lead generation is not supposed to go up and down. It's supposed to be the no, same yeah, all the exactly. way through. But, but why is it? That's why you have But that's interesting that you said that because um, you know, most of the time people spend their real estate career on a roller coaster and mm-hmm. I've I've done that and still sometimes feel like that's that's 
that just happens, you know, but that's what that is. That's, sure. is it seasonality or is it that I was really busy this month and then, so nothing happened in right. two months why, because I it, didn't do all my lead gen. Do people have a really slow January? Not because it's the, because of the market every January, the market is slowed or is it people November, October, like Halloween because, kicks, right? Because Halloween parties start start figuring out what you're doing for Thanksgiving, Christmas shopping party here. There's a little thing going on over there. The weather's nice. Let's go out on Friday and have a few drinks. Well, and uh, all of a sudden January boom. rolls around and what you were doing three months ago showed up is showed up. And so is that the reason? Well, I think for a lot of agents, that's true. That's why, um, our, our broker, she says that all the time. Like we have our little new year's in October party because that's when our new year starts. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and she says like people, people slow down. And if you want to have a good year next year, you actually, this is the time to ramp up. Right. This is the time to double, double down, double down, double down. Well, <laughs> well, because then you, it's the opposite of what we said earlier, which is instead of starting off January behind, you start off January four up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 10 up. Do that? doesn't mean you put your feet up. Keep well, why moving. Don't, why don't we take a break and you can think about it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, if I knew the answer to that. I know. <laughs> Let's take a break. And we're back. <laughs> so, so Catherine and I are having a great time right now in North Carolina. <laughs> we wish you all could be here. Woo! I'm it living is. it up in Orlando right now. It's <laughs> nice and warm. You guys are in the mountains. I know it's going to be in the 40s. It, I, I like the 30s. Pat always says what the heck? it's, it's too, cold. too cold. I yeah. think it's perfect. 60s is a little too cold for me. I like the sting on my cheeks like that cold, you what's know. Wrong, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Well, one of the reasons that we're going, well, that we're going because everybody deserves a vacation. Yes. It's the first thing you put <laughs> um, in your calendar, folks. But that's, that's the thing is like a few years ago when I decided that we needed to make that a priority, we, we weren't ever planning it ahead of time. Like we didn't, then we didn't go anywhere because we didn't actually plan anything. So I think that's, that's one of the biggest things that I've learned to do differently when planning for the new year is to add those vacations in first and say like, here's the time that I'm just not going to be in the office. Right. Because then you can plan a little bit better around that seasonality. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we just said, there's like two weeks left to do whatever else we're going to do this year. Well, I'm going to be out of town for a week. So I hope that we are close enough to our, <laughs> to our numbers. Otherwise um, we're working late, late, late at night in that one week. Huh? And just kidding. No, but, but the reason we're going is because it was planned. It was booked, it was scheduled and, and otherwise you would just work through it and not necessarily working smart or, or on the right things or efficiently yeah. because you're burned out. Yep. And then before you know it, it's January 1st. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then it's like, okay, I guess it's a new year. Yeah. So, so first things first, like thinking about what, what time are you going to be gone? And then looking at what that leaves and really looking like seriously last year, I literally counted the days, the working days, like besides weekends, even though I know I work on weekends and, and, and we all do. Um, I just counted out the actual working days. And when you do that, it's not like it, it, cut, it cuts really far. If you cut out weekends, like there's, there's a lot less days. How many is that? Like <laughs> 200 or a hundred? I think it's 250. 250? Well, like think about that. Um, and it's I don't, 115 days just. Just in weekends. Yeah. Now, again, we work weekends all the time, but if, if you actually took off weekends or at least took off a day a week or something like that, you really realize like, okay, I don't actually have 365 days to do whatever my goal is. I have X number of days. And then I, you know, then be purposeful about that and say, okay, because I want to take off every Sunday and I'm telling this to myself right now, <laughs> <laughs> because I want to take off every Sunday and really be true to that. I have to put that in the calendar first. And then I have to stick to that and then work the, then work my, my calendar backwards and say, well, I only have, you know, whatever, 200 X days to actually do what we set out to do. So what needs to happen during those days and how do I make sure that those things happen and that nothing gets in the way? Yeah. And then who that's, that's creating, like, you've got your one page business plan because you know how many appointments you need to set. That's the economic model. Then you put it in your, your calendar and time block for the activities that would need to happen in order to set that number of appointments. And then 
you figure out, okay, so what do I need to do legion wise? Like what are my best, like we, we're looking at, you know, what are, what are we spending money on and where is it actually showing up as a return and finding that like a lot of stuff that you spend money on doesn't actually produce a return or it's not done consistently enough to produce a return and making those decisions now so that January come, you know, actually really December, we've cut off anything that we don't need to do anymore or we've started the, the programs that need to be more consistent or right. that we plan on so doing part in the of year. As you have your one day uh, or I'm sorry, your, or your one page business plan that does basically tell is how many contacts you need to get the goals that you have set for yourself. But then how you, many set appointments. Right. And that's what I meant. <sighs> and then what you're talking about now is like, okay, well we've, we also have a marketing budget that we have set and we, so this is the time of year where you're looking back at what's worked, what hasn't worked, and then what you want to do moving forward, what you want to maybe cut out or maybe spend more on or any of those things by looking at like, where did the, all of these leads come from? And did we get any leads from this source? And if we did, how many and how much did it cost? And yeah. And actually I, I just recently, um, I did a call with a a lead source and I won't mention what it is because it doesn't matter. Um, but uh, just trying to see like, okay, if we want to do more business, unless we suddenly meet hundreds of thousands of new people, then how would we do more business? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't just create business out of thin air. You have to think about if you're going to grow and do more sales, there has to be some other lead source. And so what is that going to be? And so I was looking into um, one lead source and just kind of working the numbers and like stuff is so expensive. and you know, you really have to ask the right questions. So you're creating your lead generation plan. You know how many set appointments you you need to hit your goals. You know when you're going to work to get those appointments. Now, where are the leads going to come from? And you can probably, most people, if you really look at your numbers, 99% of people, your best source of business is your referral, yep. or past clients, repeat business sphere. And, and, and I think that's how it should be, but that also is a limited number of people, right? And so you can only do so many sales, even if you're really, really efficient with them and you treat them like gold and they send you referrals all year long, you're, you're really capped at how many people you can get out of that lead source. It will, it, it will continuously grow every year that goes by, but only by a few, right? Because it's going to be all the clients that you got last year are now part of your sphere. And so that's all of them and their circles. And then the following year, it's all of those people from two years ago and then this year. So you're, it is a growing process, but you can probably, if you were to chart it, if you're doing everything that you can do and you, and you started making a chart, you would watch the line can go up year after year, but at a very slow pace. If you want to, if you did uh, 25 sales last year and you're like, next year I'm doing 50, and you th- you're not going to squeeze that out of your the same source out of that source. You have to add something. Yeah. Well, and and th- just thinking about that, like some some people are moving away. Like every time you sell a well, house, that's true yeah. too. Yeah. So, every time you sell a house, uh, you, that person might be moving out of the area, and it's not that you can't get referrals from them or anything like that. But are they going to be um, as active and engaged um, and and be a great referral source from you? The likelihood is lower if they move out of the area. Right. So you are just, you're just capped on that. So that's one of your sources, but you should have like three or four really solid sources. And then if you're looking to grow and do more business, then you have to add something new or do something better. And so I was talking with this, this one particular lead source and then just asking the questions like, okay, here, how much does it cost? That's number one. You got to know how much it costs to know what your return is going to look like. But then you have to ask like, what is the um what is the conversion rate of other agents using this service and and if they can tell you that if they can't tell you that then i don't think you should pay for it um <laughs> but if they tell you and then you say well what are the average number of leads that you would expect to get from this program and then that should be able to give you how many pieces of business should you expect to get but I always look at that and say, if it's barely breaking even or ba- I'm sorry, like barely making a return, you know, then you might want to ask some more questions about like, what else could I do that maybe would cost less, but return a bigger portion. 
And too often, and I have made this mistake myself many, many times of like thinking you're finding this cool magic pill, like, oh, cool. This is going to add like 20, you know, new we sales. Have, we have an episode. No, yeah, we've there got is a, no magic pill. Yeah. <laughs> but, but there isn't. And, and the salespeople, like it's good. You've got to look for those because there are lead sources that work. But you've just got to ask the right questions. And like the one that I was talking with, um, particularly, I it was sounding like pretty good. But then I realized that they actually are selling um, the, the the leads to multiple people. Right. They're not they're not you're not buying referrals. You're buying lead, pro- lead prospects. Yeah. Really. Calls through and yeah, they're not even out. real leads. It's not like it's not like somebody said, here's somebody who's definitely wants to buy a house. We're going to put it out there. First realtor who calls on it gets it it's like these are just people who were kind of interested in something yeah and so again it's not it's this it's not that it's bad it could work great for someone someone else could have a really high conversion rate but listening to and asking the right questions you can determine what's going to be best for you and you, i think in the magic pill we talk about like if you don't have systems in place for that follow-up then don't spend money on that look for some other source so maybe you've made your entire business built on sphere great how about adding open houses? Like start there because open houses are, they cost money for yeah, sure and time low, and low energy, cost. but a lot lower cost than starting some new thing where maybe you don't have a system in place. So, but figuring out what are those three sources that work for you now? And then what, what are you going to add on to actually grow? Like where's the, where are these sales coming from? And then that's really your lead generation plan is, is where, where are those coming from? What are you going to do to, to get that business? And I know that there's, there's things and we might, I'm sure we've, we've talked about it before, but I know that you can find the numbers if you, if you wanted to add, oh, open houses, that's a good idea. I'm going to, I'm going to do, you know, last year I did, uh, I had six listings and I did, you know, 12 open houses. I did two open houses. Well, we know how many people, you just have to work those numbers backwards, right? How many people usually come into an open house? How many leads do you get from those? How many of those actually convert into clients? Blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. We've gone over this before. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think I got real in the weeds with some numbers on one yeah. episode. I don't remember what it was called. <laughs> yeah, so so and then and then you can say, okay, well, if I do, I, I can schedule, let's say, 40 open houses. Well, then you work your numbers backwards. You can see how many, how many, people walk into those open houses how many leads are you going to get from those open houses and how many leads does it take to get a closing and and you can say okay well i can't i can get at the end of the day looks like i can get 10 i should get 10 good leads off of if i do or whatever the number is and it's like but if you're looking to double your sales that might not be enough but so you have to kind of know like what what what's the end game for all of these different uh um well, and you know what's even more important than that? Well, it's it's equally important, I should say, is back to that calendar thing because this is where I I let other things get in my way. So if we set like I if I know I need to do X number of open houses, then that should just go in the calendar and like nothing else should go in there. It should just be right. like this every single one of the weeks I have outlined to do an open house. I'm gonna do one no matter what. But what happens is we end up like moving that like, oh, I I don't really have a great listing for it and I don't feel like looking for one or whatever. I'm just making up reasons, but or somebody wants to see houses. And so I'm moving that out of the way. And then all of a sudden I haven't done enough open houses to hit the the number that I set out to for that lead gen source. Then then what happens is people. Well, then you don't close the number of sales that you said people are pacing around their kitchen uh, (laughs) in September going, where am I going to get another listing? Where am I going to get another buyer? That's how I feel right now. <laughs> and that's, you know, and then you're in the same boat. So No, but, um, uh, but that, that is super key is like once you figure out what those sources are and, and how they're going to work for you, you have to put the calendar time or the time in the calendar to do those things. Right. That's the biggest, I think, lessons learned and still things that I work on every single day. And I know that. We, we all do. We all. Seeking um, our best. Seeking our best, people. <laughs> and then comes the budget. Fave. All these numbers are my favorite. <laughs> you know what? What my plan for this year is, though, and... and um, Cut up all the credit cards. <laughs> Again. Um, but 
well, we've, I think we talked about that. And right when we went on lockdown, everybody was like getting rid of credit cards to see what expenses were on those statements and then figuring out how to cut back using that. Throw your credit, what you're saying is, is if you get cut, cut up your credit card so that people come after you for money and then you see what you're paying. Forced to evaluate what your expenses are. Do I really want to do this? Yeah. Yeah. So you can, you can, you can do that. And, and people, I know people that do that at specific times of the year and that's, that's their trigger to evaluate their budget and look at things. So you could set it up to just do that in like October, November, because then you, you're really looking at that budget for the new year and planning it out. Um, but the, the budget, so what I want to do this year, because I think if you look at the budget model from the MREA book, which is like our Bible for how to grow a real estate business, you'll see like you're never at the exact numbers that they put in there. So you have to kind of figure out like, okay, well, I'm not quite at that level. So I need to backtrack a little bit. But even if you were, whatever you made this year, if you set your budget off of that number, but you wanted to grow in the new year and like hire someone or do anything different, well, you would be out of budget yeah, already. Yeah, immediately. Immediately. So you have to... What my my plan is is to start quarter one using the same the whatever we're making this year on our GCI using that as the base for quarter one, yeah. and then slowly increasing in quarter two if we've hit our goals, moving into so that we have room for growth, so that we're not um, but we're not going ahead like of we ourselves. Would, we would blow the budget immediately if we set if we set the budget based on our goal, we would be bankrupt. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, because you got to lead with revenue. Really, you don't have that revenue yet. Yeah. And I don't think anybody ever talks about, about that. And it might seem common sense, but yet when you look at that, that math, you're like, oh, well, I want to do, you know, a hundred sales. So therefore I'm going to make this GCI and here's what my budget looks like. No, you'll be bankrupt immediately because you won't have that many sales. You have to build to that many sales. So it takes, you've got to, you've got to really kind of work up to that. And you have just, to keep hitting your numbers every quarter and then keep, and then keep, you, keep adding Then you quarter. earn the right to right. spend more to on spend the next more. thing right. and yeah. then grow you're in that growing. way. Yeah. You yeah. have that money. And then by the time next year rolls around in January, you're already, you've, you've added a bunch of stuff and then you start over again. And then January starts and you in the first quarter and then the second quarter you add a Again, and that's and every year so the company is bigger. Yeah, the and then, sales are more. And so with the budget model, I mean, they pretty much map it out for you. And I have found like before I even really knew what the budget model was, um, we were. It was probably just me at that time. <laughs> um, I have been saying we for so long. Like <laughs> it's okay. You're you have a team. It's good. <laughs> um, but I remember looking at like the spreadsheet for taxes and then knowing what the budget model was. And I looked at the percentages and I was like, oh, I'm like pretty much in line with this. Like, so naturally, and that's, I think why they make that the budget model, those percentages is because if you look at a, a business that's running a decent um, profit margin, that you'll see that they all kind of spend the same amount of money in those different categories. Right. And so if you just look at that and you kind of base things off of that, you'll be at least on the right, the right path. Right. There's, there's a lot of people out there that are a lot smarter than you, not, what? You, not you, <laughs> the, the well, I was gonna, well, yes, that too. I was going to say, there's a lot of people out there that are a lot smarter than, uh, than most of us that have already figured this stuff out. Yeah. That's it's why like, it's a model. Yeah. That's why it's a model. Don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah. I mean, it's the same reason, like, why do we build template emails and why do we build yeah. template scripts so that we can duplicate everything? It's like, we're, why try to reinvent this business? It's already been um, done really, really well by a bunch of other people. Yeah. So just follow what they're follow doing. Follow what they're doing. So. But then, um, so that's, that's the budget plan is like, we're going to take it quarter by quarter so that we don't go, you know, underwater immediately. <laughs> Noted. Um, and then, uh, and then the other part of a, a business plan, if you're looking to grow team wise and you're looking to add people is that organization piece and who, who do you need? Because once you get to a certain place, you reach that ceiling of achievement where you just can't, you don't have enough time in the day. Everybody's is different. And you're just, <laughs> Kayla's hitting her head. Hitting the um, ceiling. And, uh, once you're there, like nothing is going to change until you add more people or do something different. 
And so adding more people is usually the the way that you're going to succeed, right? Success through others. Like that's how all great businesses are built is through a bunch of people working together. So, um, that if, if you're ready to add people on, you want to figure out how many hires do you need to make? So I was actually like two weeks ago, I was actually drawing out like plans for 2030 for 10 years out and then worked those numbers backwards, which was a fun little exercise. Um, and just trying to think super big and working those numbers backwards and then saying, okay, well, in order to be on track for 2030, we actually need to hire X number of people. And this then year. this year, and then also assuming, um, fallout rate, which I researched and I think I found it's very high. <laughs> well, real estate in general, I think is a pretty, we talked about that turnover for agents, mm-hmm. but, um, but looking at that fallout rate and then saying, okay, so if I want to end the year with X number of sales, I need this many people to do it, which means I actually need to hire, you know, X number of people. More. Yeah, more it's like than setting appointments. Yes, right. It's right, what's the conversion rate? What the conversion rate of yeah. people actually sticking around and doing the job. Yeah. So just as an example, you know, if I if I want to end the year with eight people, I probably actually need to hire. You know, if you're starting, at, I'm just making up numbers here. If you're starting at four and you want to end the year with eight, you might have to hire like twelve. Six, well, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it could be depending on if it's staff or um Ops. or or uh, agents. Yeah, or staff, staff or sales. But I was having that conversation with a, a title person not too long ago. And, you know, they're constantly hiring people, too. And they were saying, yeah, for every four, they get one that stays and works out. Right. So just think about that. Like in this market, we have all these people that potentially have been furloughed, have lost their jobs. There's tons of mm-hmm. people out there. But for every four, you might get one that works out. So you get a lifer like Kayla. Hey, <laughs> I was. I, she drank, I was a that, fifth she drank admin. the Kool Aid and then she made some more Kool Aid and drank that too. Yeah. <laughs> but she, it's also beneficial drank- that my family is drinking the Kool Aid as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so just knowing, like remembering that and remembering that whatever you need to do the sales that your goals are, like you, you need more than yourself, right? Um, then you actually probably need double that in terms of hiring right yeah. to end the year with the right number of people and i i don't think i really had that realization until recently yeah always yeah. learning yeah always learning risky so in the back risky yeah. business you guys uh-huh. ready to take a break sure all right let's take a break the think with b team is an orlando-based real estate team with keller williams realty at the parks we operate as a boutique style company with the resources of the largest real estate company behind us Think Luke B is looking for talented people like you to join our team. If you happen to live in the Orlando area and you're a detail-oriented quick learner, then we might have a place for you. Whether you're a real estate agent or administrative professional, we are looking for individuals who are ready to work hard and ready for success. If you're ready to join the team, visit us at thinklivebee.com. And we're back. What? It's so funny. <laughs> I'm just laughing at you. Why? What did I do? Nothing. You're just excited just to say that. <laughs> I was excited to say that. You had a big smile on your I, face. I, I love doing the podcast. I'm happy to do that. We're Patrick back. always smiles when he talks. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> hey. <laughs> what, are we playing a game? We can. You know. Why do you know? Okay, what do you know? You guys know how we play this, right? In this segment, Kat and Kayla will compete by guessing the answer to my painstakingly researched questions. (sighs) Whoever is the closest wins. This game is closest to the pin rules, not prices right rules. You can go over and still win. If you get it right on the nose, you get double points. And as we know last week, Catherine got two Two. right on the nose. Let's let's see if she can uh, keep that up this week. Yeah. I want to get it. <laughs> so um, this week, uh, or I'm looking at the numbers here, it looks like Kat is demolishing Kayla at five to one in this oh. game. Hey, I got one on the board. She's got one on the board. It's a, it's a win Posi- for me. Positive outlook. Uh, always. Okay. I'll, right. I'll see what I can do for you. <laughs> the season between summer and winter was originally known as harvest or hair fest in old English. The word is of Germanic 
stock and is and uh, meant picking, plucking, or reaping, a nod to the act of gathering and preserving crops before winter. In the early 1600s in the U.S., people started moving into cities, and the and uh, use of the term harvest lessened. They started saying fall of the leaf to refer to the third season of the year because the leaves would fall from the trees. Over time, fall from the leaf was shortened to fall, and it stuck. Today's theme is fall. Yay. It's my favorite season. Yay, I love fall. I know you do. I love. It's, I was. It's I was, why we're in North Carolina right now. Is <laughs> right? watch the leaves change. Uh, I do. I wanted to light a. Uh, there's a cider, apple cider candle in there, and I was smelling it earlier, and was like, I'm oh, gonna light this tonight. Yeah. <laughs> in 2003, Peter Dukes was a product manager in Starbucks espresso division. Dukes was, was the one tasked with capturing the peppermint mocha levels of success with a new drink for the autumn season. And so, in the spring of 2003, he and a team of R&D folks headed into a top-secret room in the seventh floor of Starbucks Seattle headquarters, termed the Liquid Lab, and they got to work. The group ba- brainstormed a list of 20 possible fall latte flavors. Then, it surveyed the Starbucks customers online, which, uh, about which latte ideas appealed to them the most as, a se- as seasonal options. Surprisingly, the idea of a pumpkin pie latte just didn't do it for most of the respondents. They were more into the chocolate and caramel-based drinks. But when the time came to narrow the list of 20 down to four, which would then be mocked up as prototypes and brought to a team of higher-ups to find one winner for development approval, Dukes and his team included the pumpkin pie option anyway. And the rest is history. How many pumpkin spice lattes are sold each year? Oh, my gosh. First of all, pumpkin spice lattes are delicious. Delicious. Not. I don't like them. They're so good. Um, there is an entire Facebook group that Starbucks started. Are you on there? It's leaf. Leaf Breakers. Yes. Yeah. Yep, I am on there. And uh, it's just dedicated to like the fall season and people post stuff of, uh, I know. There's Halloween crazy. costumes with like the Starbucks. Like, so just like it's all cute. year long, people are talking pumpkin spice latte. Or apple cider. I like the apple cider. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, so how many how in many in dollars? In dollars or no, numbers? How many? Numbers, numbers. units. How many, yeah, units, units not the volume. Year. Ooh, oh that's a big gosh. number because there's a lot of PSL fanatics out there. Well, let me do it, make it easier. How many in the millions? Oh, my goodness. Okay, it's only a million? No, millions. how many in Okay, millions? I got my number. How many? Okay. I'm going to say 446 million. 446 million. million. I was going to say 125. It's 20 million. Oh, okay. We wow. Both. I was really out there with <laughs> that guys, one. You guys think a lot more people drink that than that, drink that, I guess. <laughs> I mean, so. <laughs> There's only 20 million, really? 20 in million. A year? I mean, I guess that's a lot. So it's yeah. just a season. Well, they're only, yeah, like they're only sold only, in a season. Yeah. Then, oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah, no one's drinking those in the summer. <laughs> I'm going to see how many people are in that Leaf Rakers group. That's what I was trying to think of. And then multiply times. (laughs) Oh, my God. Just kidding. (laughs) All right. Question two. Birds are known to migrate in the fall. Arctic terns are long-lived birds with many reaching up to 30 years of age. They eat mainly fish and small marine invertebrates. Arctic terns are medium-sized birds and are mainly gray and white with red and orangish beaks and feet. The Arctic tern is famous for its migration. It flies from its Arctic breeding grounds to the Antarctic and back again each year. And the long journey ensures that this bird sees two summers per year and more daylight than any other creature on the planet. By far the longest migration known in the animal kingdom. How many miles does this bird travel every year? What's the bird's name? It's called an Arctic tern. T-E-R-N. How many miles does it travel? Two summers. Equators. Miles from there to there. One, I'm going to start dropping some like Jeopardy music or something no. behind, <laughs> behind this like when I edit it. All right. I'm going to say 56,000 miles. Okay. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm going to say 25,000. The correct answer is 55,923. Oh, you almost got that on the dot. Dude, just like you 70. don't get any bonus I'm points so for excited. that. I'm so excited. You said 923. I was only 70. Math that off. Yep. <laughs> so it says it says that um, because they live up to 30 years, it means that um, the distance that they traverse in a lifetime 
their total journey is equivalent to going to the moon and back more than three times. Wow. That's how much they fly. Wow. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Okay, one to one. Okay, Let's do question this, Kayla. three. The word pumpkin comes from the Greek word pepon, which means large melon. Pumpkins are believed to have originated in Central America. Seeds from pumpkin plants have been found in Mexico dating back over 7,000 years to 5,500 B.C. It's a member of the cucurbita family, <laughs> which includes squash and cucumbers. Authenticated by the Great Pumpkin Commonwealth in uh, Ludwig, Ludwigsburg, Germany, on October 9th, 2016, the largest pumpkin ever was weighed. What is the world record weight of the heaviest pumpkin? Oh. Heaviest pumpkin. Weight in pounds? Yeah. Okay. Not that that makes a difference. Um, yeah, no, in t- kilograms. <laughs> Got it. Times 100,000. No. Um, I'm going to go with... It's pretty heavy. <laughs> I'm 972 Okay, Kayla, pounds. first. I'm going to go with um, 630. The correct answer is... 2,624.6 pounds. That's insane. How do they even get it there? That's a lot of... That's the size of a... That's a lot of pumpkin seeds. It's a, the size of a Volkswagen. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's what Cinderella went to so, fall in. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I guess once you hollow it out, it probably wouldn't be as heavy, but it would still be pretty heavy. I wonder if you could put it on wheels and make it move. I don't know. You could put an axle on it next um, who who got that one? Kayla? I did. Kayla, Kayla did. Yeah, right. two, two, I know. Two. All right. I'm I'm giving it to her. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Question four: The saying "an apple a day keeps the doctor away" traces to Old English, hinting at the fruit's rich nutritional benefits. The original saying goes like this: "Eat an apple before going to bed makes the doctor beg his breads." Apples, including juice and cider, supply boron, an important mineral for health. Apple cider is one of the earliest prescribed antidepressants. Apple season is in the fall, and from apple pies to dunking for them to candy and caramel, they are an icon of this season. How many varieties of apples are grown in the USA? Oof, that's a toughie. Varieties of apples grown in the USA, 31. Hmm. Catherine? Okay. I'm say 52. 2,500. What the heck? There are over 75,000 different varieties of apples across the world. In America? About 100, 100 different apples are sold commercially across the United States. Oh Supermarkets God. sought more consistent quality in fresh produce and to squeeze costs out of the supply chain. Cosmetic concerns demand a large enough crop that it would allow a farmer or packer to select fruits with the minimum number of imperfections. Consumer simplicity is another key reason for the limited number you see in a grocery store store they tend to concentrate on just a few convenient varieties where taste might not always be the top priority wow. so there so are there's more delicious apples there out are, there and, <laughs> but some of them are ugly there aren't that many so they hey, can't, there's not enough to put everybody in. has a positive light to their nature <laughs> well, that. some don't taste that great some are whatever but they're or in this, and some are delicious but there aren't enough orchards right. to supply in a grocery store and they've I, when i was researching this they ran a lot of tests about People already think there's too many varieties in oh, really? the grocery store. It's like, oh, it's a gala. It's a Fuji. It's a this. It's a this. I just want a green apple or a red apple. And so people, people. Yeah. So so they try to keep it down to like, even because they do come in at different times, like certain times of the year. If you go into like Kroger's or Publix or one of these grocery stores, you really only see, see like six different kinds. Kroger's? We don't have a Kroger's here. What know, made I'm you appealing, think of that? I'm appealing to other people, people on the other coast. <laughs> people yeah. in the north too. We have Kroger's. Um, uh, Honeycrisp apples so, or go home. That's all I have to say. Oh, uh, what is the one? The um, the pink one. Pink, pink lady. Pink lady. Pink oh, those ones are those sweet. Are those are yummy. Those are good. So who? Who? And the cute. Cat did. I did, but oh. I feel like I shouldn't take a point for it because I wasn't nowhere. Oh, got it, though. Neither one. Of you neither are. one were in the millions either. You still took that one. <laughs> All right, so we're down to the last. question. <laughs> okay, we're two to two then. Yeah, last oh, question. This is really a game, good. guys. <laughs> the history of mazes and labyrinths go back to ancient times, such as with the Minotaur and labyrinth from Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. From there, mazes were built in pebbles earth and more and in 1690 the oldest surviving hedge maze was created the hampton court maze in greater london in the 18th century hedge mazes became incredibly popular in england and the rest of europe but it took quite a while for the hedge maze concept before it was translated to american staple crop corn 
Don Franz and Adrian Fisher worked together to design and build the first corn maze in the United States at Lebanon Valley College in East Central Pennsylvania in 1993. Matt Cooley founded Cool Patch Pumpkins in 2001 in Dixon, California, when he and his kids started selling pumpkins on the side of his pumpkin field. His passion grew into a world-renowned pumpkin patch and corn maze, featured across platforms, news stations, websites, and in the Guinness Book of World Records with the world's largest corn maze. How many acres does the maze cover? Okay. Three um, um, acres. How many? Okay. 3,259. Mm, okay. 0.3. 3,000 <laughs> 3, acres. That's the size of a small town. Really? 3,000 acres? Well, you don't give her any hints. <laughs> well, it's too late now. Um, I, I already said my numbers. I'm going to go with 200 acres. It's 60 acres. Okay. What the heck? I win. Catherine wins. I it's was a, over here. Guinness a world record. That would be world record in a, my opinion. But it's a, Well, it's a lot of corn, though. You got to think they're they're growing corn in this. Yeah. But you're in so. Pennsylvania. <laughs> Come on, there's a lot of space for corn. That one's not in Pennsylvania. That one's actually in California. Oh, it really? Says, Due to the sheer size of the maze. No one under the age of 18 is allowed through without supervision or someone who is. And you also can't go in like past like six o'clock because you get too dark. To be honest, though, I'm wrong because I haven't seen the seven acres that my family lives on in in all. I've only seen like an acre and a half of it. And that's a lot. You had a point of reference and you didn't use it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I really wanted. Well, you know, I stuck to that. I'm a high S. I like that sentimental. So I said my birthday because it was in 1993. It wasn't even. I'm sorry. Next. <laughs> oh, there is no next. You lost. Dang it. <laughs> small win. Who's going first? I didn't burn down the office while Cat and Pat were gone. Uh, small win <laughs> we'll, we'll is. <laughs> Small win is I have made I've uh, shortened the pool of people to make a final decision on a tra- on hiring somebody for our organization. Oh, that's good. Yes. What's yours, Pat? What's mine? I just finished my apple cider and a hot apple donut. Yum. <laughs> oh, I love those apple donuts. They're so. That's good. probably when this is an apple cider donut. Yeah, the morning that this is released, that's probably what we'll be doing. <laughs> Please take a selfie and send it in to the folks. Thank you. <laughs> um, my small win is that we. Um, <laughs> I should have thought about this in advance. We just uh, we got our pumpkin con. We did a pumpkin carving contest, and we got those photos uploaded and out for voting with a neighborhood that you farm and with your vips yeah yeah and there's some it's it's funny people got creative with some and then there's some that's like "Mm -mm." what is this (laughs) we did we did categories you know like uh, best of orlando so like carving an orlando icon or um etsy pinterest fail and pinterest fail and i definitely know who's who's winning that one Yeah, made some fun categories. Yeah. We, and I think if you go back a few episodes, we kind of talked about how we built a website and kind of set all that up. And yeah, stuff. I think we so. talked about the summer photo contest, which we sort of modeled this after. This one's just involved a little bit more work for people because they had to carve the pumpkins up. Kayla yeah. had to drop off pumpkins. And she had to jump off. Drop That's off the pumpkins. joy of my world, though. I'll mm-hmm. do it every day. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. Cool. I love fall. Yep, Yay. I know. Yay. Hey guys, remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps new listeners to find us. You can also send questions or stories to us at our website, onseekingthebest.com. You can even leave us a voicemail and we will play it on the show. Send us a tweet at SeekTheBestPod. And for Kat, Kayla, and myself, thanks for listening. And we'll figure this all out next week. Bye. This has been a Think Live Be production.